Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, what's up? My name is Cody King, and I am your host today for Calvary Live. I'm here to take your questions and your prayer requests. You can give me a call at 303-690-3000 with your questions and prayer requests, or also text me at 720-336-0897. I'd love to be able to talk to you, to be able to hear about what's going on in your life, and hopefully provide some biblical insight or maybe some direction from the scriptures as to, uh, you know, what what is that thing that you need uh, answered in your heart or in your mind? Or maybe you've been reading your Bible and you've come across something that just, it doesn't really make sense or it seems a little bit weird or out of place. Uh, I'd love to be able to bring some clarity, some focus, some direction for that. Uh, My name is Cody King, and I am the lead and founding pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, we are located in Commerce City, which is a suburb of Denver, uh, and so we're we're about a, a mile east of um, Highway Two on 104th Avenue, um, and we've got two Sunday morning services. It's uh, at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And I would love to have you join us. So if you've been considering a church and you've been wondering about going to a church and you've just been waiting for somebody to invite you, consider this your invitation. I'd love to see you Sunday. And if you heard me invite you, uh, I'd love for you to be able to let me know that you heard that. So uh, come up to me, let me know. I'd love to be able to meet you and to be able to talk with you. Uh, Again, we got two Sunday services, 9 and 11. Uh, If you want directions or you want to listen to some messages or even check out information about the church, you can visit our website. It's redemptioncalvary.org. That's redemptioncalvary.org. And you can also listen to our radio program. We're right here on Grace FM uh, on weeknights at 8 p.m. Uh, our show is called Redemption Radio, um, and uh, we're, we're on weeknights at 8 p.m., which means that we're on uh, on Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday at 8 p.m. And then also we have a Sunday morning broadcast that comes on at 9.30 in the morning. Currently on our uh, Redemption Radio program, we're going through the book of First Corinthians. Uh, so if you've ever wanted to be offended by the Bible or to hear some crazy stuff, uh, then listen in to, to what we went through in 1 Corinthians. It is a, 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 a book of the Bible that's jam-packed full of a lot of things that really sounds like a lot of our culture and what we've got going on in our culture uh, today. Hey, I also want to listen, uh, welcome our listeners uh, who are listening in on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Also, Truth FM in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Hey, I'm so glad you guys are listening in. What a privilege to be able to talk to you as well. Uh, so please call in. Uh, you're hearing this this uh, broadcast on a one-week delay. So um, call in anyway. Someone is here. We'd love to be able to talk to you. Uh, we'd love to be able to pray with you. Um, and then you have the added bonus of being able to tune in next week and to hear yourself on the radio. So uh, what a cool thing is that. Uh, so we're here to uh, to take your calls, answer your questions, and pray with you. You can give me a call at 303-690-3000, or you can also text in 
questions and prayer requests to 720-336-0897. So uh, let's go to line one now with Mike in Commerce City. Uh, He's got a question. Hey, Mike, you're on Calvary Live. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, uh, my question is is about what the mystery is in Ephesians chapter 3. And the reason I'm wondering is a couple different reasons. is I got an acquaintance bump into once in a while, and he comes up with something out of the Bible, and usually he's cut off, you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so this was probably close to a year ago. He mentioned something about the mystery, and he wasn't necessarily talking about Ephesians chapter 3. He didn't know where he'd heard it, or excuse me, he didn't remember who, who he'd heard it off from. But he was talking about the Gentiles being saved, just like the uh, uh, Jews were being saved, I suppose. Gentiles were always saved the same as us. I don't know that's a mystery. And then, and I didn't try to look it up or nothing like that, mostly because some of the stuff he comes up with is usually kind of weird. And I thought, well, I don't know where he heard this from, so I thought it was kind of weird. And then uh, uh, this past week, or actually last week, in the in yearly Bible reading, I read through Ephesians chapter 3, and I seen that in there, and I'm going, you know... Now I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> so yeah. what what exactly is the mystery that they're talking about there in Ephesians chapter 3? Because I know before there were Jews, I mean, we had all the other people before that up to Abraham. They were saved the same way as anybody else is saved today, you know? Yeah. And so, so, so I'm confused what that mystery is there. What yeah. exactly? That's a really, really great question. Um, I think especially because there's there's sort of these kind of two things that we study when we study the Bible. One of them is the words of the Bible, but one of them is, as well has to do with the language of the Bible. And there's a language of the Bible that's not the same as our language. And so sometimes there's things that are sort of lost in translation. And, and yeah. uh, this word mystery is one of those ideas. I, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word mystery. For me, I think Scooby-Doo. Uh, that's, in, that's immediately where <laughs> yeah. my mind goes. I'm thinking about, you know, the, the cartoon. They're trying to figure out who the bad guy is, and they sort of uncover a series of uh, clues that leads them to something that uh, they're trying to figure out. Um, right. The biblical concept of mystery is not that. Uh, it's, it's, it's similar, but it's not the same. So the biblical idea of mystery is that there's something that's hidden, and it cannot be revealed unless somebody reveals it to you. So there's no way that you're going to figure it out or put the pieces together or just somehow, you know, come up with it on your own. Do you remember when yeah, um, Jesus uh, asked the disciples, who, who do you say that I am? Um, yep. And then Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, "You're blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. That's the idea of a biblical mystery, that God has got to reveal this in order for us to get it. And so even based on that standard of defining mystery, something that is revealed doesn't cease to be a mystery once it's revealed. Our language, it would no longer be a mystery, right? So like Scooby-Doo, once they figure it out, then it's, it's revealed. There's no longer a mystery. But for right. a biblical mystery, it continues to be a mystery because it's predicated upon God's revelation, not upon our figuring it out. Does that, does that make sense to kind of set the ground for that? 
yes, it does. Right on. It kind of reminds me of, of, of hope. You know, we we don't have the same definition for hope like the yeah. Bible has for hope. Kind of on that point, I guess. Yeah, like right? I, I hope it doesn't snow again tomorrow. You know? Yeah. That kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, so it, exactly. There's there's a different kind of an idea. So I think that's yep. got to be brought into the conversation in order to grasp it well. Now, specifically, what mystery are we talking about when we're looking at the mystery in uh, in Ephesians chapter 3? Well, it kind of lays out for you as you, re- as you read through verses 1 through 6. And just for the sake of everyone else uh, listening in, I'll, I'll read Uh, a little bit of this uh, for us so that we can kind of grasp for it. It says in verse 3 of Ephesians 3, it says, How by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand uh, by knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So there's this idea of this mystery. And he goes on to say, he kind of defines the idea of mystery in verse 5. He says, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. So that's where it's this mystery, right? In, in other ages, speaking of in the Old Testament times, there's something that God is doing that they couldn't figure out. And as we look through even the relationship that Jesus had with, with his disciples and the rejection of the, the Jewish nation, by and large, of Jesus, um, we see that the mystery has very, very specifically to do with Jesus— and the means of salvation. Uh, when Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to go to uh, Jerusalem to be betrayed and crucified, uh, they argued with him, and they didn't even believe him. And Peter said, you know, Jesus, you're not going to—I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus actually had to rebuke him and say, you're acting like Satan, you know? Uh, it was, it was a, such a thing that they just could not grasp, that God in human flesh doesn't come to die, he comes to conquer. And so there's this sense in which they couldn't grasp the idea of what God was going to do in the future and in terms of providing salvation through the blood of Jesus, that there's no way somebody could grasp that idea, uh, that, that there was a foreshadowing of, of it in the Old Testament, but they couldn't get it until Jesus fulfilled it all. Then it made sense. Then it was clear. Uh, then the the foreshadowings of the Old Testament uh, come together. So there's a sense in which we look at the Old Testament and we kind of say, why can't they see it? Well, if we put ourselves in their shoes, we wouldn't be able to see it either. We would need the fulfillment in order to gain the understanding. Um, And so in that, it's the idea both of of the concept of salvation coming through the blood of Jesus, but also there's another mystery, and the mystery is this thing that Jesus created called the church. And the, the mystery of that is that it's both Jew and Gentile, and that's what he goes on to talk about through the rest of that section, that the same way that Jews have been brought into relationship with God is how Gentiles are brought into relationship with God. And just for the sake of definition, Jew is that, that certain Hebrew people, and Gentile is everybody else. So if you're not Hebrew, you're not uh, Jewish in, in that sense. And so uh, it's everybody else. So essentially, you know, kind of that idea that you're, t- that you're talking about with this mystery is very specific to say salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Which it always has. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, in the Old Testament, they were looking ahead to this provision. They just right. didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. Uh, we look from our perspective back. So they look ahead to the cross. We look back to the cross. And Jesus makes everything make sense. That makes a whole lot more sense. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, it's it uh, awesome to be able to talk to you. You bet. Have a good afternoon. All right, man.
God bless you, man. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King. I'm uh, the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, We're located here in Commerce City, uh, about a mile east of Highway 2 on 104th Avenue. Um, and I'd love to be able to, uh, to connect with you, to be able to talk to you, to be able to pray with you, uh, to be able to take a look at, uh, the, just the things that God's doing in your heart and in your mind. Um, and so, Hey, we got a a text question here that, uh, comes in that I, I really want to take a look at because I really value this question. It's something that's on my heart and my mind a lot. And I think it's a really great question. Uh, the text message comes in, it says this, could you please explain why hermeneutics is considered a science? Could you also please uh, explain the difference between exegesis and eisegesis? Um, And so, you know, one of the things with this question that I really, truly love is that this question has to do with really treating the Bible correctly. Um, Maybe you've heard somebody uh, say something about the Bible or, you know, even quote something from the Bible, and you're not sure if that was done correctly. Or maybe you've seen somebody use a verse in the Bible, and it's just really clear that that's not what that verse means. This question has to do with that. And how do we how do we handle the Bible well? How do we do it faithfully? How do we do it correctly? And, and one of the reasons that this is such a huge thing on my heart and mind is because it's something that I really, really want to do. I, I want to handle the Bible well. I want to do a good job when we open the Bible and we teach through it and we look at what it has to say. And toward that end, one of the things I've been able to get a, be a part of is something called the Expositors Collective. It's a, a growing kind of movement among uh, um, our churches uh, around uh, the country here in in America, and uh, there's been there's been four of these, and there's another one coming up in in, uh, in the fall. And uh, basically, what it is is it's a a chance to be able to invest in the younger generation and say, here's how you do this right. Um, and so I just actually was able to be a part of one in San Diego the last week. It was such a huge blessing uh, to be able to be there. There were over 100 participants there, uh, young men and women, uh, 18 to 34, just looking to be poured into and to be given the tools to be able to stand on solid ground to say, how can I do this well? How can I do this right? Such a cool thing. So I want to let you know about that for a couple of reasons. One, would you pray for the Expositors Collective? Would you pray that God would stir up a generation that's passionate about his word and devoted to to teaching it well, to teaching it right? And then also, would you let people know about the Expositors Collective? Would you, would you tell people that uh, these events are happening? And you can look at the website, it's, it's expositorscollective.com, and uh, be able to connect with all of the different things that are happening there. You can listen in on what's been going on. There's a podcast that you can listen in on. Uh, it's just a, a really great thing to be a part of. Well, just back to this question real quick. Can I explain the idea of why hermeneutics is considered a science? Um, so this is, this is a really great question. So for those of you who don't know what the word hermeneutics means, uh, essentially hermeneutics is the science and art of Bible interpretation. Essentially, it's how do you know that when you read through the Bible, you're interpreting it correctly? Well, the reason that it's a science is because there are specific rules that establish the governance of how you do it. Uh, just like you would think of when you think of science, hopefully you think of science this way. There is a lot of so-called science out there that's not science at all. It's 
theory and religion, uh, but there is science that is very measurable. It's something that you you set up specific guidelines and specific rules, and you can measure it, and you do it precisely, you do it exactly, and you do it accurately. Um, and so there are certain rules established within how do we interpret the Bible. Um, one of those rules would be that uh, the Bible can never mean something to me that it doesn't mean to the original author and audience. And so that's why if you've ever been a part of a maybe a small group where someone has asked the question, what does that mean to you? And then you've heard a whole bunch of crazy. Uh, that's typically where that comes from because people come up with whatever idea that mean, it means to them and they can take whatever concept and make it make whatever uh, description or connection that they want. And so there are specific rules on how you interpret the Bible in order to do it faithfully. And then also there's an art form to it because there's just a, a sense in which some people have the ability to think a little bit differently from their perspective or their experience or their gifting, and they're able to apply the rules in various ways in order to help interpret the Bible and see things uh, that uh, maybe you haven't seen before. Maybe you've had that experience. Someone has opened the Bible and read it faithfully and taught it properly, and you've never seen what they just taught you before. That's the art side of it. They're able to see stuff in there by the Spirit of God and the grace of God. The second half of the question is, could you please explain the difference between exegesis and eisegesis? Exegesis and eisegesis are, is this idea of what you're doing with the Bible. Uh, this really ties into the idea of the expositors collective. Uh, ex expositors is, is a word that comes from the idea of exegesis. Uh, exegesis is to exegete the Bible, which is to extract from what the Bible says, that there's a meaning that God intended when he wrote the, the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit coming upon people was uh, specific with what he intended to say. And so what we're looking to do as we read through the Bible is to extract or exegete from the Bible what it means. What we don't want to do is do what's called eisegesis, which is to place into the Bible what we think it means or what we want it to mean. And that's where I think a lot of people go really, really wrong in their Bible interpretation. They they eisegete into the, the scripture uh, instead of extracting from the scriptures. And so, you know, people come up with a whole bunch of things about what they want God to be like or what they think he should do or what they think he should think. And instead of submitting to the Bible, they stand in authority over the Bible and they insert their thoughts into that. Just a quick thought on that: those words, exegesis and eisegesis. Um, I remember when I first heard these words, I thought it was like, had something to do with Jesus. Uh, and it doesn't. It's Well, it does in a sense of interpretation, but not in terms of the name Jesus. And so it's not even spelled the same. It's spelled with a G and not a J. So uh, just a, a funny note there. Uh, hey, my name's Cody King. You are listening in on Calvary Live. It is my pleasure to be able to be with you here today on this amazing, uh, sunny Colorado day. Uh, what a crazy thing that yesterday we have, uh, you know, some sort of bomb cyclone that's uh, predicted to come through. And then today it's beautiful uh, and amazing weather. Uh, it's just a kind of crazy thing of the springtime of Colorado. Hey, let's go to uh, line two with Rudy in Denver and a question about Proverbs 10. Uh, Rudy, you're on Calvary Live. How's it going? Thank you. Hey, yeah, doing well. How are you? All right, man. I was just so uh... I'm in the book of Proverbs. I just started reading it, uh, and um, I got to uh, 
I got to 10, Proverbs 10 and verse 1, where it says a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. I don't know exactly what, what does that mean. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I love Proverbs, and one of the habits that I get into is reading Proverbs pretty regularly. I, I try to read um, a proverb every day uh, and have done uh-huh. so for some time. And the reason for that is, you know, when you start off in Proverbs, there's this promise that wisdom is contained in the book. Um, and one of the things yeah. for me that I remember when I first started reading through Proverbs, I became pretty, um, I don't know what the right word is, maybe disillusioned when I started reading through it because there were kind of these things, these sayings that didn't really make any sense to me and I had no framework for them. Um, and as I've, as I've grown, not only in the Lord, but also just in, in general maturity and, and gone from a, a young man to a, a middle-aged man, I've been able to see how some of this stuff makes more sense just based on my life experience. And one of the things okay. that this does is it, it kind of grabs some of that life experience idea to help me understand. And, and, and so really w- what it says there, it says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. And so there, what this is, is there is, um, there's some poetic uh, themes, obviously, to this this section of the Bible. It's a it's the poetry section of the Bible, okay. and so within poetry, the way that we think of poetry as being beautiful is uh, typically by rhyming, right? That's that's the way most of our songs yeah. are written. That yeah. you know, it's the whenever you listen to maybe R and B or rap music, it's the cleverness of the rhyming that that's what makes it cool and and makes it listenable. Uh, or the beauty is found in the rhyming. Well. In Hebrew uh, poetry, it's not the rhyme as much as it is pairing thoughts together or contrasting thoughts together. Uh, that's where okay. it comes from. So that, that's kind of the idea there. So what we have here in this, the structure of Proverbs 10.1 is that you have a wise son and a foolish son. So there's the contrast for us. Uh, and then you also have the idea of the father and the mother. Uh, this isn't to say that it's it's either the father or the mother. It's just speaking of parents. That's the idea there. Okay. Uh, it's that the, adding the contrast for the sake of the the po- poetry aspect of it. And, and essentially, when you take this and you just think about it from a very I don't know, just a practical perspective. I know for my kids that when my kids act in wisdom, that there's this gladness that fills my heart. There's this joy that overcomes me because they are choosing wisdom. They could choose foolishness. They could choose uh, ridiculous things, and yet they're choosing wisdom, and that makes me very, um, you know, just excited about them and, and and glad to see the things that they're doing. Whereas if they choose foolishness, then it hurts me deeply. Uh, I remember one of the things growing up that, uh, that happened to me pretty often— uh, as a rebellious kid, was uh, that when whenever I was receiving um, some chastisement from my mom or or uh, um, you know my parents, I remember one of the phrases that was said to me was, "This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you." And you know what? I never believed them. <laughs> Not until okay. I had my own kids, and then I understood their, that my children's foolishness hurts me worse than it hurts them. Uh, because I can understand the consequences in a much deeper way than they can, and I see yeah. how it represents things in their life that's that's so much further than what they could understand. So, so that's kind of the idea of Proverbs ten one. Okay, well that's pretty awesome though, because I mean I he just I have a son, he's my stepson. Uh, yeah, you know, and and you know he has a father, he has a mother, and I respect their decisions. So I'm more like a brother. So okay. I need by example, you know, to that point, but I'm a stepfather, and it seems like, you know, he has to, his mom has to tell him five, six, seven times before he gets up, and I just approach him, 
get that trash can. Yes, sir. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not proud of him when sometimes his mom is like, he needs to watch his mouth, you know, and I say, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I just don't know if that, how that translated. But that's, that's awesome. And I, that's why I'm at in Proverbs. Like how you're saying, it's kind of a little bit of, you know, not understanding and kind of a, but I'll, I'll get through. I'll read it a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things with it is that you'll see things as you keep keep reading through it. And so I just encourage you with that thought, uh-huh. you know, and and keep calling right. in. We I'll, I'll talk to you as many times as we can, and we'll we'll uh-huh. un- break it down and unpack it. Well, thank you. God bless. Thank you. All right, Rudy. God so bless much. you, man. All right. My name's Cody. I'm here uh, taking your calls here for Calvary Live today. I'd love to be able to talk with you and to be able to pray with you uh, about the things that are going on in your heart and your mind. Uh, You can give me a call at 303-690-3000 or text me at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line three and Annette in Denver. Annette? Are you there, Annette? Did Did we drop the call? All right. It seems like maybe we dropped the call for line three from Annette. So let's try to go to line one with uh, Diana in Aurora. Diana, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Hi, Diana. You're on Cover Live. Thanks. Um, I have a question about what says give um, thanks to the Lord in all things. And I have a hard time figuring out, like when things are going bad, how to figure out how to give thanks and praise. Like, for example, I get migraines really bad. Okay. And when you're laying in bed and you're really sick, I can, only thing I can think of to give thanks for is that I have a bed to lay in to be sick in a dark room. Yeah. So if you could kind of help me figure out how to find good, because I don't know how you thank, thank you, Jesus, for giving me this headache. I don't know. So. Sure. Yeah. That's a really, really good question. Um, it's it's something that is difficult to wrestle over sometimes because just like what you're describing, um, I look at the situation I'm in and I'm not I'm not excited about it. I wouldn't choose it. I'm not I'm not uh, trying to go through it, you know. And and yet here I am. I find myself in it. You know, it's it's one of the concepts that uh, Romans chapter eight talks about. You know, that really familiar verse, uh, Romans eight twenty eight, that all things work together yeah. uh, for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. One of the things that's important to note with that is that not that doesn't that verse doesn't say that everything's good. It says that right. God's able to take everything and make it good or use it for your good. And so I think that concept is really necessary to apply to this. That thankfulness doesn't mean that I need to be thankful for the thing that's bad. It means that there's an attitude within my heart toward the Lord. Um, that that I can go through difficulty or hardship uh, with an attitude that's focused on that, as as is described in Philippians, that upward call of Christ Jesus, that that's where my mind is set, and that even though I find myself in a difficult situation or I find myself in something that I don't like and I want to avoid, I can trust that God is good even if the thing is bad. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot more sense because it's very hard to think, how do I give thanks for this when it's so, you're not just a headache, but anything, you know? So yeah, yeah that helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that that applies, just like you said, not just a headache, but really broadly. There are lots right. and lots of situations that we can look at and say, well, that, you know, chaotic situation isn't good. And, you know, that murder isn't good. Uh, right. How do I thank God for that? Well, that, yeah. that's that's not the idea. The idea is okay. I'm thankful to God because he's in control 
even if I don't see it and okay. even if I don't understand it. That makes a lot more sense. That that makes it a lot easier to uh, to lay in bed and have a headache and just know that God is good instead of trying to thank Him for that. So that, that helps a lot. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Right on, Deanna. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Bye. Thanks for calling in. All right. Well, my name's Cody King. I am the lead and founding pastor of Redemption Calvary. We are located in Commerce City, Colorado on 104th Avenue. We're about a mile east of Highway 2. And uh, we've got two Sunday morning services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. I would love to see you at church on Sunday. So if you uh, are thinking about it, then consider this your invitation. Uh, we all we have open lines right now, so this is a great opportunity to call. We're about to go to break, uh, but this is a great chance for you to get in uh, your call. And I'd love to be able to talk with you and be able to answer your questions and take your prayer requests. So 303-690-3000, 720 336-0897. All right, we'll talk to you in a minute. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, what's up? My name is Cody King. I'm your host here today for Calvary Live. I'm uh, just uh, enjoying such a beautiful day. Uh, grateful for the chance to be able to talk to you, to be able to uh, just uh, spend some time thinking about the things of the Lord, to be able to talk about the scriptures or things that are on your heart and mind and how to get a biblical perspective on some of that stuff. Uh, we're in a, a unique uh, season and uh, area of time in our calendar. Uh, like you probably know, uh, Easter is coming up, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And uh, just such an amazing time to be able to get together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's the single most significant event uh, in, in human history that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, Paul even goes so far to say in 1 Corinthians that without the resurrection of Jesus, there is no hope in Christianity that we are actually uh, pitiable kinds of people if we believe in this religious system that's set apart from uh, the the living Jesus. And so we're going to be celebrating at Redemption Calvary, and I know that there's a lot of other churches going to be celebrating uh, the resurrection of Jesus for, for this Easter season. And I just want to invite you, maybe, maybe you're listening in, maybe you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, um, you're, you're, you know, you're just a, uh, what I would like to say is maybe a not yet believer. You know, you're just kind of listening in, you're wondering about this Christianity thing. You're, you're just, you, maybe you happen to find Grace FM, uh, by scanning through the radio. I just want to take a minute to talk to you and just say, I'm so glad you're listening. I'm so thankful that you're considering the things of God. And, uh, you know, I think that it's really important for us to be able to have honest, skeptical questions that we can ask because God's not afraid of them. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're thinking about maybe maybe checking out a church or maybe, uh, you know, uh, spending some time looking into the things of Christianity, I just want to invite you. You are welcome. I'd love to see you at Redemption Calvary. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to answer some of your questions if I can. I'd love to be able to pray for you. And so uh, just, just in case you're wondering, 
you're welcome and you're invited and we're really glad you're listening in today uh, here here on Calvary Live. So, hey, maybe you have a question as well. You're welcome to call. And, and so I just want to encourage you with that. If you want to give me a call, anybody listening in, uh, the number is 303-690-3000. And the uh, text line is 720-336-0897. Again, my name is Cody King. I'm the pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, we are in Commerce City, Colorado. It's a suburb of Denver. And uh, we are uh, about a mile east of Highway 2 on 104th Avenue. You can get our uh, directions to the church. You can check out messages online and uh, get more information about the church by visiting our website. It is redemptioncalvary.org. That's redemptioncalvary.org. Hey, I'm going to go to uh, the text line and uh, answer a question here. Actually, it's a prayer request. Uh, Someone has uh, texted in and said that uh, they need prayer. Uh, His wife had a miscarriage and has to go in tomorrow to get a procedure done. I just, man, I'm, I'm, my heart is breaking for you. I just, I, I understand the weight that you carry and the, the difficulty of the expectation of a child. And, you know, really, as we look through the Bible, the Bible says so much that is good about children, uh, that there is, there isn't anything negative that the Bible says about children, that, uh, children are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. And so this, this is a, a very difficult, very painful, um, kind of a situation that you find yourselves in. And, and so I just, I want to pray for you. And so let's do that. Uh, let's, let's pray for you now. Father, we want to come to you with this, uh, this gentleman texting in this, this uh, prayer request. And uh, though we don't know their name, God, you know who they are. You know exactly the situation they're going through. You, you know the exact uh, position they find themselves in. I'm just so comforted by the truth that your word tells us in Hebrews that uh, we have a high priest who sympathizes with us because you understand our weaknesses and that you're, you're tempted in every way. Uh, like we are, and yet without sin, uh, that that you understand our weaknesses, because Jesus, you put on flesh and became man in order to uh, to redeem us. And in, in that, uh, there's not a single thing that we go through that you don't understand, including this. And so I just pray that you would you would bring your comfort to this couple, that you would be near to them as they consider all of the different things, and they go through the stages of grief, and they're they're just mourning the loss of this child. Um, Lord, I pray that you would bring them the comfort of of knowing that uh, this child is with you, and that uh, there will be a day when they will meet. Uh, there will be a day when when uh, he'll get to hold uh, this this baby, and she'll get to hold this this child, um, and that you are glorified in that, Lord. So I just pray that your comfort and your peace would be near to them as they consider all this and they try to, to think about what, what to do and how to walk through life, um, just that you would bring them your, your encouragement and your comfort and that they would uh, experience that closeness of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you're listening to Calvary Live. Um, we are here uh, taking your calls and your prayer requests uh, for uh, with, on Grace FM here in the Denver area, but also uh, we are we have Hope FM, uh, which is in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. You can listen in there on Hope FM, and also Truth FM, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Hey, thanks so much for listening in. If you're listening from one of those areas, it's such a privilege to be able to uh, talk to you, to be able to pray with you. Uh, if you are hearing this on Hope FM or Truth FM, then you're listening to it on a one-week delay. So please still call in. We're here. We'd love to talk to you and pray with you, uh, answer your questions for you, and then you get the added bonus of listening to yourself on the radio uh, on a one-week delay. Hey, let's go to uh, the phone lines now. Uh, Line one, Val in Denver. Val, you're on Calvary Live. 
Yeah. How's it going? Doing well. So I just got a question. I mean, I'm a believer, you know, I was saved about three years ago. Um, and from what I've been learning, I've been taught that the Trinity is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. Okay. So I was having a conversation with my uncle, and he does not believe the way I do. He does not believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay. He just thinks it's a gift, he told me. Okay. So, how, like, how do I go about, like, you know, maybe just showing him and just telling him how I feel about that? Yeah, that that's a really a great question. Yeah. Um, so when I think about this, there are a lot of different things that kind of go through my mind in terms of trying to describe and explain the Trinity to people. Um, one of them is that we, we got to kind of start with the idea that God is bigger than we are. Uh, I know that's kind of a simple place to start, but I think it's a, an important place to start because a lot of times people get tripped up because of their inability to understand something. The truth is there's lots and lots of things in life that we don't understand, but we still put our faith in them. Like, I don't have a clue how my heater works in my house, but I still trust it to keep my house warm. Uh, and, and so, I mean, I understand the idea, the basic ideas of it, but man, I don't, I don't really know how it actually works. Or my car, you know, I don't really know all of the intricacies of the parts and how they all work together, and yet I place my faith in it and, and I drive it. So it's, it's really along those lines when we're considering God that there are some things about God that transcend our understanding, and that doesn't disprove God. In fact, that's a massive proof of God. Because if God was so small that, that my tiny brain could understand him, then he wouldn't be big enough to be God. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah um, so I think that that's an important place to start, is just with that understanding in place. Because if that's not in place, then you're just going to get a series of questions that, uh, you know, that, that you're just not really going to be able to answer. Because at a certain point, there, this just requires faith, you know, the idea of the Trinity. People try to describe the Trinity with different analogies, like an egg, that there's the shell, there's the white, and there's the yolk, and they all make up the egg. And, and while I understand the idea of trying to, to understand that idea or trying to grasp for an analogy like that, it, it really breaks down in a massive way because the shell is not a complete egg. And the yolk is not a complete egg, right? So there's uh, the you know there there's a, a sense in which it kind of helps, but it doesn't help in another sense. Um, so one of the things that I go to when I think about this is that uh, there are verses in the Bible um, that talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in terms of having the attributes of God. And so I think that that's an important concept, that the when you when you look through the attributes of God, they're all ascribed um, equally to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the things of creation and salvation and holiness and perfection, uh, all of the things that can only belong to God uh, are all attributed to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One of the other things is that you'll find verses in the Bible that are Trinitarian in nature. Uh, one of them, I actually uh, was going over this with a small group last night, is found in 1 John chapter uh, 2. It's not a single verse, it's a couple of verses. Uh, but in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, 
and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And then he says, verse 22, uh, he, who, he is a liar who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, he is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So what we see here is in these couple of verses, there's three verses there, and we see that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all spoken of together. Now, that makes sense, that that's the way that that is stated. It would be very awkward if my name was placed into that conversation. You know, it just wouldn't make sense if if uh, you put me in the category uh, of the Father and the Son and Cody. That's, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense at all. And so there's a sense in which there's this understanding that comes from uh, just grasping the idea um, uh, of, of them being together all all as one. But I think your question had more to do with the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I go to for that uh, is in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Let me find that for you. Um, Matthew, I believe, or maybe it's John. I think it's John 14, actually. Um, so let me look here. John chapter 14. Um, so... Uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, it's actually chapter 16, John chapter 16. So it, it says there, starting in verse 7, Jesus is speaking. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Uh, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is very, very clearly speaking of the Holy Spirit and very, very clearly talking about the idea of the Holy Spirit. And if, as you continue to read through that section in John chapter 16, Jesus refers to the uh, Holy Spirit over and over and over again as he. Also, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is grieved. Um, you can't grieve an it. You can't grieve a thing. You can only grieve a person. Um, and so the personhood of the Holy Spirit is, it's not a foreign concept to the Bible. It's a very clear concept to the Bible. Okay. Does that, does that answer your question for you? It, it did. And look, it, it right here, in John, where you pointed me to, did, did yeah. help me. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's probably one of the, the strongest places to go. And then um, uh, there's also the verse that says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, let me find that one for you uh, real quick. Uh, that's in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says uh, that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's, you can't grieve a thing. You can only grieve a person. So uh, there's two sections for you to start with and start looking at uh, with the idea of uh, the Holy Spirit and, and being a person. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Val. Thank you. Yep, God, God bless you. Have a great day. Have a good day. Yeah, see ya. All right. My name is Cody King. I'm here uh, taking your calls and prayer requests on Calvary Live. It's a privilege and honor to be able to be with you. Let's go to line two and Wayne from Atlantic City. Wayne, you're on Calvary Live. Hello, Cody and everybody out there. Thank you very much. And hallelujah, I finally got through. Love this station a lot. I listen to it more than any other station. You guys Amen. teach me so much, so much. So um, a few weeks ago, I heard one of the pastors speak about um, marriage and being in relationships could then be a hindrance uh, to the relationship with you and God. And not one that speaks marriage or children or anything like that. 
Um, I've actually have you know been engaged before and have multiple relationships and just haven't found the one. I'm not interested in it, but I'm having difficulty explaining that to uh, opposite sex with other people. So I know there was a scripture that was referenced uh, in regards to this um, uh, subject, and I cannot seem to remember or find it in the Bible. So that's the first thing I would like to know. Okay. And yes. secondly, um, you know, being a changed and, and reborn um, gentleman, man in Christ, I am dealing with such fiery darts, particularly from a, a family member of mine, we share a home together, my mother, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm being called every name in the other book, so to say, you know, <laughs> being cursed at and everything like that, and, you know, trying to pray trying to change the situation. You know, she came to me for help about 10 years ago, and now it's just like you're just becoming a hindrance to me. You're not changing. You're not moving up. You're not doing anything for yourself. You know, and I'm, you know, I had a great rider, you know, give me a Thessalonians, uh, second, second, second Thessalonians 310, um, you know, for those who don't work, will eat. And, you know, kind of gave me a little bit of a thing, but I wanted to deprive my mom or anything like that, but I know I'm doing something good. I just don't understand it. I'm becoming impatient and tolerable of it, and I just, I just want to keep my walk with, with the Lord, and I don't know how to get out of this situation in a great manner, in a good yeah. manner. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so relationships are difficult. <laughs> yeah, relationships are difficult. There's lots of layers to it. Um, so I, I guess I'd I'll, let's start with your first question. I think that what you're probably referring to um, is uh, my guess would be probably First Corinthians uh, chapter seven, um, and where it says uh, in verse one, it says, "Now concerning things of which you wrote to me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband." Um, and then he says, uh, in that section as well, um, he says in verse eight, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Uh, and so I, is that the section that you're referring to? Yeah. Thank okay. you. Because that's how I would like to remain. I mean, I understand, you know, to, to come together as one flesh, I understand relationships change as, you know, earlier on the show with, uh, people, um, you know, change physically, mentally, emotionally, and everything like that. And, sure. You, know, you really don't know what you're jumping into into the thing of marriage. And I totally recommend people with premarital counseling, you know, yeah, through absolutely. a pastor in any church. You know, I definitely believe in that. And that's what, you know, what happened with my engagement was, hey, we're, before we do this, we're doing this God's way. Okay. And then, boom, everything hit the fan. And I was just like, okay, you know what? You don't want to do it that way? I'm not with it. Bye. Mm-hmm. See you later. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a, a there's there's definitely some people use this section to say you know the way that Paul is saying you know remain even as I am, which is to say unmarried, um, and that there's this gift of celibacy that the Lord gives to certain people, and and I think that that's a, an honorable and a, and a noble thing. Um, I think that the you know the other verse that has to be added to this is the very next verse, which is verse nine. Uh, which says this, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. And essentially what he's saying there is that um, if you have a sex drive, then you're called to get married. 
Uh, that's what he's talking about. If you can't control that, if you're if you're going to burn with passion and you're going to, uh, um, you know, give in to that that the, yeah. the lust of the flesh, then you are called uh, toward marriage. I, I guess it would be the way that I would I would uh, articulate that idea because. Sure. A lot of people approach this idea, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying for the sake of yeah. those listening in as well, a lot of people approach the idea of, well, I just don't want to get married because I just don't want to be tied down. You know, I'll be a one-woman yeah. man so long as it's the woman I happen to be with. And it's that is not the idea that the Bible is uh, really uh, trying to propagate or teach at all, you know? And so yeah. I think it's very important to add to the conversation to say, yes, there's this idea of of singleness and that there's a gift of that and that God does call some people to it and that there's nothing wrong with that or shameful about that. There's nothing to be looked down upon about that. In fact, it should be something that we say, God, God has chosen this and what an amazing thing. And it's a gift from the Lord uh, that should be uh, exalted properly. Mm-hmm. But also that we don't use it as an excuse for sexual sin as well, uh, and so I think that's an important idea. Yeah, I deal with a lot of that. I'm in the second sin city of uh, the United States here in Atlantic City, so uh, you know, being around you know lots of crowds that are like that and have sure. different points and views. I mean, I understand it, I respect it. You know, to each their own. You know, I mean, it's, you're held accountable at the end of the day, not me. You yeah, know, but I absolutely. try to direct them with understanding and, and ministering and, and what I know. Um, so in regards to my second question, what do I do? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's a, a difficult one, um, you know, because relationships really require a whole lot of understanding, and, and it's difficult, especially when you add into it the, the relationship with your mother. Um, I, I think there's a few things that kind of go through my mind in terms of this. Um, one of them is you brought up the idea of the idea if someone doesn't work, then they shouldn't eat. Um, that That's speaking more to the idea of people, um, especially in that culture, it had to do with a man providing for his home uh, and just saying, I don't really want to do anything. I'm just going to let the church provide for me um, and so because I just don't feel like working. Uh, that that's kind of the the connotation of that. Um, in this in this day and age, in the biblical times, uh, women literally could not provide for themselves, and so they were, they were, they were yeah. needed men to pay, to provide for them. Our world's a little different in that sense. Uh, in that uh, women are encouraged to, to to work and are capable to 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 work, and not that they weren't in biblical yeah. times, but just a I different understand. culture. I understand that, and she's you know she is retired. You know, she's not so disabled. It's just like you're totally relying on me for everything. Like, you know, I want to move. I want to sell the home. Well, what do you expect me to do, Wayne? What do you expect me to do? What do you expect me to do? And I'm just like, go to God and figure it out. And, you know, and then she goes, well, what about you? And it's a it's a neck for neck. It's a reverse psychology tactic. It's narcissism, pessimism, you know, anything that has to do with that psychological standpoint of what about you you know and i've tried to break away and then it's come back to me from other family members i'm like hey somebody pick up the wheel here and drive it you know i want to get on you know i got i got my own vessel here i got to steer my own vessel you know bring some uh, help to that situation you know it's just really really tough and i'm now it's like now i'm becoming in a sense of the parent parenting the parent i understand parents you know children will rebel against parents and you know, fathers shouldn't, you know, forsake their, their children or mothers shouldn't forsake 
um, or uh, exasperate their children. And I'm just feeling totally exasperated. I'm just like, where's my relief? When do I get mm-hmm. a break? But I know that I'm doing something good. I just don't understand when the yeah. relief is coming. You know, it's, th- it's not my timing. It's it. I think that yeah. you're describing this really well. You know, just in, in there's one sense in which this is, there's a frustrating aspect to it. And there's another yeah. aspect of it where I know I'm honoring the Lord. And so, you know, there's a difficulty to it. I think I would direct you toward um, one verse. It would be Galatians chapter 6 which is uh, verses, let's see, uh, one through three. It says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then it says, verse two, Honor your father and mother, mother, which is the first commandment, with promise mm-hmm. that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Oh, so, boy, I'll tell you how much that is a dangling carrot in front of me every time we get into a, uh, you know, a disagreement or something like that. It's just like, hey, it said, it said honor, and I broke down the word honor. It said respect. Yeah. At the same time, that, you know, there, there's got to be a boundary there. I'm like, I'm not your slave worker. I'm not going to sit there and crack the a- answer and take every piece of advice from you. For sure. You yeah. Know, gonna, and that's I'm where end up like you. This sorry, also and that's not good for me. Yeah, and that's where in Genesis there's the balance of this idea. In Genesis, you know, chapter two, when God brings Adam and Eve together, and uh, He brings them together in marriage. Uh, it says there in that section, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Yeah. And so there's a mm-hmm. sense in which adulthood brings a change in relationship. And the change in relationship, I think, is described here in verses 1 and 2, because it says in verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Yeah. And then verse 2 says, honor your father and mother. And so yeah, right. yeah, uh, in this, there's really a do. sense in which there's uh, a childlike obedience and then that changes into that. So I would just encourage you to pray along the lines of, what can I do that's the most honorable for her? And ask God to give you direction on that. And I believe He will. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and direct you and give you the right kind of a, a heart toward that. And, and still, you know, what should I do in this situation? And how can I do it? And how can I both uh, have some good boundaries with this, but also provide honor uh, in that and just ask the Lord for some some direction in that because the mm-hmm. details of it, like you're like you're describing, that's really where it comes down to is is yeah. the the attitude of the home and the the stress on the relationship and those kinds of things, and uh, and so yeah, I think it's one of those things that that uh, the Lord's going to need to give you some direct wisdom concerning that situation. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, to to cleave to the wife, you know, kind of like Jesus, you know, he married the church. He was married to the church in a in a cliched way, I, I, I understand it. I'm almost like, well, bye, Mom, I'm, I'm going to go marry the church. I'm going to go out and minister. I'm going to travel. And, you know, as being a driver out here and, and in the restaurant industry, I really do enjoy serving others and ministering them to, to a point of what I understand and inspiring them and, and building their faith. I mean, everybody has problems. Everybody has issues, you know, but even in that, there's joy, there's wisdom, there's love. You know, there's there's yeah. compassion, and you know, I try to give that people, and you know, they just like say, you know, kind of like how they say to Paul, and then hold them up so high. I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's great, but don't hold me up so high. Mm-hmm. You know, even Jesus yeah. didn't say, I'm, I'm I'm good. It's the Father who's good. It's the and don't think good, of me yeah. so lowly either. Well, you know, I like to be that medium guy, but it is what it is. Hey, thank you yeah. very much. I'm grateful. You know. Amen. So. Yeah, Wayne, can I pray for you? Yeah. Hello. Hey, yeah, can I pray for you, Wayne? Please. Thank All right, you. Let me, let me pray for you. 
Father God, I thank you for uh, Wayne and the chance to talk to him today, and I just pray that you would give him direction in life and in these co- these questions that are arising in his heart and mind, and how does he honor his mom well, and uh, and yet still have some good boundaries, and what is the right approach to this, and how does he incorporate some of the uh, the other relationships with uh, other siblings, and God, I just pray that you'd go before him, that you give him grace and wisdom to know how to approach this, and that your glory would be clearly seen and that your name would be uh, made great in his life and also in his mom's. So we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank Thanks you, for calling in, Wayne. God bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, definitely be visiting Calvary Chapel. If anybody's here in the Atlantic City area, there is one in the Northfield uh, area off Tilton Road. Um, Perfect. You know, across from like Denny's and stuff. So if anybody's listening in New Jersey, Atlantic City area, feel free. Awesome. Right All on. Right. Very cool. I was here, though. God bless you, Wayne. I'm just a little further away from me, but please, thank you. Amen. God bless everybody. Hey, I got a uh, text uh, question here uh, coming in for us. Uh, It says, hey, I'm looking for guidance on living will decisions. I have have mine done, but very unsettled about it. I selected the do not resuscitate uh, in the instance of terminal illness or permanent vegetative state. And uh, it says, I did want... I did that to make it easier on my loved ones, but I'm doubting the decision. Is it God's will? And uh, and Angie's texting in. Hey, Angie, I uh, just want to encourage you with a thought here. Um, I, I appreciate your question, and it's just one of those things that's that's difficult to know. What what do I do? And what I would direct your attention to is toward Romans chapter 14. Uh, in Romans chapter 14, we we're dealing with these gray areas of life because. You know, there's no verse that I can turn to and say, hey, this is where the Bible talks about living wills and do not resuscitate. There just isn't anything in the Bible that talks about that. But uh, in Romans 14, we're given some direction on what about all this other stuff? What about these, this you know gray area where it's not black and white? Um, and what it says is it's using this uh, analogy of eating and not eating. Uh, and and in the way that the chapter wraps up in chapter 14 is it says this. It says, Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. And I just want to encourage you with that thought. That uh, in verse 23 it says, uh, Don't doubt because anything that's not from faith is sin. And so I'd encourage you with the idea Have faith in the Lord and trust that he's leading and directing you. And if you're not settled on it, then maybe it's time to wait on the Lord some more. Hey, thanks for calling in and uh, listening in today for Calvary Live. It's my pleasure to be with you. My name's Cody King and uh, just a great chance to be with you. Check us out at redemptioncalvary.org. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.